being the strong man. Last week we focused on recognizing the strong man in our life. Today we're going to talk about binding or removing, removing the strong man and then rebuilding after the strong man is gone. I said this last week and I truly believe that if we walk in obedience to God, by repenting of our sins and removing any strongholds in our lives instead of making excuses for them, that we will be catapulted into our God destiny individually and corporately as a body at Cornerstone. And at the end of this message, we will be praying. The prayer team has been fasting. The staff has been fasting and praying, of course, and so have many of you that we are going to bind the strong man in your life. We're going to remove the strong man. We are going to take back possession of the things that he called his own in your life, which are all the gifts, all the rights, all the authority that God has already given you. Take back all that possession. And we're also going to give you the opportunity to surrender your life if you have walked away from God or you've never had a real relationship with God. We're going to give you that opportunity at the end of the message. But when I talk about a strong man, it can be labeled just about with anything you can think of. Anger can be a strong man in your life. Jealousy can be a strong man in your life. Um, eating can be a strong man in your life. Lack of eating can be a strong man in your life. Um, poverty, insecurity, loneliness, pornography, fear, any specific habit. Or, like I said, anything. So be open as God is shining through his Holy Spirit into your house today. To your house today. And putting a light. On that strong man in your life that you say, oh, no, that can't be a strong man. That you just keep your mind open to letting God show you. Okay? So let me just summarize, quickly summarize. Part one, when we were talking about recognizing the strong man, a strong man can, give, can be given access to your house through the smallest opening. And once the strong man has been given access, he will create a strong hope. And we use the illustration like a squatter that comes onto your property that you own, sneaks in through the back door that was just left cracked open just a little bit, builds his little tent, sets out his campfire, begins to, you know, put the, you know, tent pegs down, really... This is, you know, and put out the welcome mat and mailbox even. He's receiving mail at your property. And now, after he's been there so long, he says, I have rights to be here. Like a squatter on your property. Do you know there's actual rights that they can acquire on your property if they've been given access and have lived there for so long? And so the enemy, the enemy, enemy, no, the enemy can slip in through the smallest cracks. And once he's been in there, he will build a stronghold. Because he don't want to go. We learned two important principles last week. Sin gives Satan authority in your life. Sin is the one little thing and you think, ah, oh, it's not sin. But it can just crack open a little window. 
And it's not that bad. It's really not that bad. But it gives Satan authority to come in. In Romans, the Greek word for sin is adikia. Adikia, which is described as a personal power that enslaves and deceives. We give Satan authority in our lives through our disobedience. And disobedience, we learned, is equal to, not greater than, not less than, if we want to throw some math statistics in there. It's equal to sin. Disobedience, sin. And number two, believing a lie empowers the liar. Believing a lie empowers the liar. You cannot afford, I heard Bill Johnson say this over and over again, you cannot afford to have a thought in your mind that God doesn't have in his mind about you. If you start thinking something and you're like, hmm, did God really say that? Say it out loud. And could you hear God saying that about you? Or saying that about a situation. And we went through a plethora of different lies that people, Christian, good long-term Christians, still believe. And when they believe the lie, it empowers the liar. Well, this is just my burden to bear my sickness. Is that what Jesus died on the cross to accomplish? That just some would be healed? Well... I do have a problem with anger, but that's just my personality. My marriage has always had a problem. I think it's just always going to have a problem. Oh, that child of mine, he's too out of control. He's never going to be any better than that. I'll just need to pray that, you know, he don't die in his stupidity. You know? When you speak out loud the things that you are thinking, you'll quickly hear, is that true? Actually, it, it, it becomes laughable. When you start speaking out loud what you actually think, I am so sorry, but that's so distracting. Could you, could you not do that? Thank you. Um, when you start speaking out loud what you're thinking, your mind goes, whoa, back up a minute. What did you just say? Well, no, God doesn't say that. Remember, it's the snake in the garden that likes to twist those words. Did God really say that? You know, we covered this last week, and I actually had that situation come up. Did God really say that? And I, everything I could stop from laughing because I'm like, we just talked about that. But I'm like, yeah, he did. He did just say that. So remember that believing the lie empowers the liar. A strong man has been granted permission to stay because of a lie you believed. An incorrect thinking pattern can mold itself into our way of thinking without us even realizing it. And if you are a woman, your mind is going 1,000 miles an hour all the time. 
As a matter of fact, they tried to calculate how many thoughts you have in a day. It, it broke the meter. That's right. No, it, it, it's, yeah, it's, and the amount you have, I, I think it, it was like 20 times more, maybe it was even way more than that, more negative thoughts about yourself than positive thoughts about yourself. Like if I had to throw a number out there, you might have 10 thought, positive thoughts about yourself in a day, but you have 1,000 negative thoughts. That's how, how big of a ratio difference that is. But when you speak that out, really, God thinks I'm a failure? As soon as you speak, no, of course God would not think I'm a failure. Do I feel like a failure at times? Yeah. Am I a failure? No. Speak those things out. All right, I'm not trying to preach last week's message, but believe in a lie empowers the liar. We must know the truth for the truth to set us free. John 8, 32. All right, and last week I asked everyone here to begin to pray for this week by doing three things. I ask you to prepare your faith for battle, which means the word, the word, the word, get the word, get the word in you. This is where faith comes from, hearing, hearing by the word of God. Got to get the word in you. You can't know what your inheritance is unless you know what your inheritance is. <laughs> you, you can't possess what God has given you until you know what he's given you. You can't walk in the authority he's given you until you know the authority he's given you. Okay, so you need to know. If you don't read it, you don't know. Number two, I ask you to prepare your mind for battle. Again, it's all in the thoughts. It's in the thoughts. And if you're not plugged into something on Thursday nights, as far as the youth go or children's ministry go, that uh, life group, the open life group that we have on Thursday nights, we're going through the supernatural power of a transformed mind has been rocking my world. I just can't believe so much that when I wasn't here last Thursday, I downloaded the book on my phone because I didn't want to miss one of the sessions. And I actually finished the whole book in two days. The mind is humongous in your life, as far as what you believe is what you become, is what you do or don't do. It's, it's the, and then last night at Cornerstone Connect, uh, the women have been going through our spectacular mind, Dave Williams. And Shannon and I are elbowing each other the whole time. It's like, we just heard that in class Thursday. We just heard that in class Thursday. It, it's huge. You have got to get this. Your mind, if you don't take control of those thoughts, those thoughts will control you. And how many thoughts do we have, positive versus negative? Exactly. Those negative thoughts will control you. So you need to take control of every thought. Make it obedient, captive, and obedient to what? The Word of God. And then I ask you to prepare your flesh for battle. Oh, we hate that. Anything but that. Nobody likes. I mean, if you like to exercise, you're sick. Sickness. We'll pray for you at the end of the message. It hurts. We don't like fasting. It's not fun. I have to, I have to.
to tell on my mom because it was so cute. Because I know what she was fasting. She, her, she told me at the beginning of the week. And so we were sitting at Cornerstone Connect last night. And, you know, we all do these little appetizers first. I'm sitting over there. I'm eating my little snack. And I glanced up. And Mom goes, oh, pumpkin pie. Oh, crap, I can't have that. <laughs> I, just, I started cracking up. I'm like, yeah, see, fasting, not that we're trying to punish ourselves. But it should really Hurt in a way that it reminds us, oh yeah, I'm not doing this because I want this more. God, meat can, can go away out of my life for a while so I can have more meat, spiritual meat, from you, God. So I asked last week that people begin to prepare their flesh for battle, challenged everyone to fast, but not just a fast. We actually started digging into Isaiah 58. And I'll tell you, once you start putting down, I hate to make it sound like you're putting down your flesh, like not negative, but, you know, seeking God more than seeking to satisfy yourself. Okay. When you start doing that spirit of God, the spirit of God starts revealing the deep truths of God's word to you. So that what the scripture that you read uh, 500 times before all of a sudden pops out in a new way to you, not like a new truth, you know, but a new revelation that that's what that means. Something so simple. I've read this a hundred times. I mean, I don't know how well your eyes are. I mean, do you mark in your Bible like this? Yeah, because I, I couldn't help but start, what? Look at that. Look at this. Look at that. And I couldn't, and I kept going back to it and going back to it. Because when I first started the fast this for this service, for these two messages, a while ago, you know, I was reading my Bible, and God says, go to Isaiah 58. And I went, oh, I've been there. I've read that a hundred times. I know, is this the path that I have chosen? Isn't that how you read the word sometime? You know? Really? And actually, if you're a woman, you're probably making your grocery list in your mind at the same time that you're reading. Oh, yeah, bread. <laughs> right? Okay, let's be honest. We'll confess later. But when he took me to Isaiah 58, because, you know, of course, I'm be obedient, God. I shared this last week that God said, and, and I asked her to put this up on, I don't know if you did these ones. If you look at Isaiah 58, First, God tells about, you know, you've been doing your fast, but really you've been doing what you want to do. You really seem eager to know me, but you're not. You're doing as you please. You're just saying that this is a day just to humble yourself. No, when you fast, this is how you should fast. This is why you should fast. And then this is the results you can expect when you fast the way God says, I want you to fast. And he says this in... Verse 6, is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice. How many have heard this one verse before? To, this is not the fast I have chosen to loose the chains, to you know, untie the cord, set the free, break every yoke. You've heard it, right? When I read this, when God told me to go back to the scripture, every word seemed to just like a, like a bell. Ding, 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 ding. 
stop right there. Do you understand what that one word means? And I'm like, chain, you know, in, injustice, sure, you know. I've been schooled. I know what it means. No. It's like, look this up. Understand what that word means right there. If the word chain, do you understand what the word chain means and what the word injustice? The, word, the definition of injustice, a situation in which the rights of a person or a group of people have been ignored. God said, this is a facet I have chosen that those chains of injustice when we aren't walking in the rights and the authority that we have been given it is like chains that are stopping us from walking in our authority those are chains of injustice he said this is the fast i've chosen that you will loose those chains that keep you from walking in the authority and the rights that i've already given you to untie the cords of the yoke I didn't even know. I read that a million times. And then I'm like, when God, he's like, do you even know what the cords of the yoke are? I'm like, no. I had to go research Google courses, got saved under my leadership. But um, go to the next, that picture of the cord of the yokes. I had to look up what a yoke looked like in the Bible days and where there was a cord. I'm really, did you get there? That one. There are cords on a yoke, and it holds that thing that they're dragging behind them. And he said, this is a fast that I have chosen, that you will untie the cords of that sin that you're dragging behind you. That's the purpose of those cords, is to drag that sin, that thing, behind you. Keep it. You're attached to it. You can't get rid of it. That's just the way I am. I can't stop. I've always done this. It's always been here. To untie the cords of that yoke. To set free the oppressed. The definition of oppressed is to be burdened with unjust restraints. Where did we just read that? The first line, to loose the chains of injustice. To set the oppressed free means that we are going to let them go. Now that the chains, we are speaking the truth to them. You have this authority. You have this right. We're loosing those chains. Now step out of those chains. Set the oppressed free. Then the next one is to break every yoke. You notice how those four verses tie into each other? The first one goes with the third one. The second one goes with this fourth one. You first have to untie the cords of the yoke, the thing that you're dragging around behind you before you can break every yoke. See, we want to stand up on Sundays and, you know, proclaim, you know, break every chain and break every yoke. But there's steps between them that you have to do. You have to loose the chains. Who has to loose the chains? Did you think about that when you're reading Isaiah 58? What did he say? This is the fast I have chosen for who? For God? Does God need to fast for you? No, for you. You already have all this authority. You already have all these rights. But you're bound up dragging around your sin in a yoke with whatever 
strong man in your life. And he says, you don't have, why are you living like that? That's not you. You have to strip off sometimes your flesh in a way through a fast that says, I need to hit reset and go back to God, the original plan. I'm not to be a slave to sin any longer. And so uh, we learn through these scriptures that there are two ifs. Two ifs, our part. Four thens, if we'll do this, then God will do this. And the wills, there's 17 wills in this scripture alone that says this is the kind of fast I have chosen. 17 wills of God, which means 17 promises of God. If you do these two things, then this will happen. And God says, then I will do this. 17 promises. The two things is if you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk. Who puts the yoke of oppression on people? People! How? Did you see what Danae wore last night? What's she thinking? That is the same thing as me walking up there and throwing a yoke over her neck and probably the person who's listening to you, their neck. The yoke of oppression comes through the pointing finger and the malicious talk. We become burdened with that yoke of oppression. And what did we just learn up here? Set free the oppressed. Who can set free the oppressed? Hello. If you do away, so two things. One, if you do away with the yoke of oppression and stop pointing your finger with the malicious talk. And number two, if you spend yourself in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed. See how all these verses tie in together? So I'm not supposed to oppress others by my pointing finger and my malicious talk. I'm also supposed to satisfy their needs of the oppressed. Feed the hungry. Clothe those who are naked, which I'm glad none of you came naked today, but we have clothes for you if you need it. Oh, wait a minute. Take that thought captive. I don't need to think that. Anyway. So spend yourself on behalf of others and stop trying to complicate this. I mean, I literally went almost my entire fast, and I'm like, I am word for word, God. I am going to be obedient, and this is how I'm going to fast so that I'm following your principle You're right here. And I kept stumbling over that, feeding the hungry and um, clothing the naked. I'm like, well, sorry, God, I haven't seen any naked people yet. And I mean, I was like on the last week of this this fast, and and I'm like, I really, I gotta. And I told Brian, I said, I know we give to missions, and we give to this project, and we give to that project, but I, I gotta feed some people, and, and I've gotta close some people, because those are the part of the two ifs. I need the thens, and I need the wills. And and I sat down, and I mean, I was like tormented in prayer, God, show me what. And I just heard, why are you complicating this? And I'm like, well, we really don't have the money to go buy groceries. Because that's what I said that morning after Brian left for work. I said, I'm just going to go buy groceries for somebody. And he's like, okay, whatever, you know, Brian, I love him. Whatever. But I do the budget. 
So I'm like praying, God, you know, I don't really have, we don't really have the money to go buy some groceries. And it's like, why are you complicating this? He said, go down in your cupboards. You've got enough you can share. I bet I do. They said, and open up your closet. I said, Lord, I just pray that you bring, what? He said, why don't you open up your closet? You got enough in there to share. Get behind me, Satan. No, I'm just kidding. And I threw all my clothes. I said, you're right, Lord. Why am I complicating this? Why are we making this so complicated? Simple. Remember, God moves in simple truths because he chooses the simple of the world to confound the wise. I don't mind being simple. Keep things simple. Keep it simple, sweetheart. Yeah. So stop trying to complicate things. That's it. Two points, man. If you can get those two ifs, if you'll just do those two ifs, you've got to look at four thens and 17 wills. And this is where I'm going to pick up part two. You thought I was already in part two, didn't you? Sorry. Now we'll begin part two. Because I want us to look at the truth about our rights. In order to be set free, you have to know the truth. You have to know the authority and the rights you have before you can loose those chains. Before you can step out and be free, you need to know the truth. And just picking up right here in Isaiah 58. Why did I already close it down? Oh, I put the ribbon there. I'm so smart. What I did in my Bible is I circled the thens and I circled the wills. And I actually even separated the two parts. The ifs are actually, if you look at that, that's two parts. The first part is about you. Second part's about others. If you will do away with the pointing, I know while I'm pointing my finger, but there's no malicious be, intent behind the, this pointing finger, okay? So if you would do away with the pointing finger and the malicious, then the other part of that is about other people. And then if you spend yourself on behalf of others, feed, clothe, take care of them, satisfy their desires, then, starts in verse 8, then your light will. Every will is a promise of God. If you do these two things, then, God says, then. You can't, you can't stand on the thens and the wills unless you do the ifs. That's the same thing as you telling your child, saying, um, you can have dessert after what? After you eat dinner. That's right. And the child looks at the dinner and says, I don't want this. I want the dessert. Oh, okay, you can have it. No. Eat this. Then you can get this. You can't have this till you do that. That's so simple. God is so simple. So you can't stand on the thens and the wills until you do the ifs. So then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly come. Quickly appear. Then your righteousness or righteous one will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer 
You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. And then he throws it in there again. If, if you do away with a pointing finger, malicious talk, if you spend yourself on behalf of others, then he jumps right into it again. Here we go. Then your light will shine, will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. You won't have to sit around, God, what do you want me to do today? What should I do with my life? He will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. And will be, you will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. Your light will shine in the darkness. Your healing will quickly appear. The righteous one will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. You will call and cry for help and the Lord will quickly answer, here I am. The Lord will always guide you, satisfying every need you have, not dependent on the earth's economy. He will give strength to your body. You will have an abundance of resources at all times without fail. You will rebuild and repair what the enemy has torn down. And you will reestablish God as the foundation, the chief cornerstone. This is just a few of the passages that tell us our rights the authority that we have, the promises of God. As a matter of fact, Gateway Bible says that there's 5,467 promises of God. When I research that, people go from 3,000 promises to 7,000 promises. I guess it depends on how you read it. But Gateway, Bible Gateway, which is a nice resource, Bible resource, says there's 5,467 promises in the Bible. Could you imagine if you could just believe a portion of those? I mean, we just read 17. Could you live the rest of your life on just those 17? Yeah. Yeah. You need to speak them over yourself constantly. I only have to do two ifs to get every one of those 17s. Just two things. So you don't have to complicate your life and your Christian walk. You know, oh, I'm horrible. Oh, I failed at this. Oh, I, failed. I can just do these two things, God, and you'll come through on these 17. I just have to concern myself with don't do this and go and spend myself on behalf of others. If I do them, because our rights, I'm going to keep repeating this, our rights come from God's promises to us. That's why we have to get them in. We have to soak this in. Our rights come from God's promises in, our, in us, to us. Our authority comes from our commission with Jesus. 
And our model of alignment comes from the standard of heaven. And now I'm going to kick into high gear. This is where you're going to need to make sure you have your pen, your paper, and start writing down these verses that I'm going to read quickly. Because I want to make sure we have plenty of time that we're going to have huge altar time today. Chains are going to be loosed. Cords are going to be cut today. Yokes are going to be broken today. Oppressed, set free today. Jesus commissioned us. So we know where our authority, where our, I mean, we know where our rights come from. That's God's promises. Our authority comes from Jesus when we commission with him. And he says in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, all authority, all authority in heaven, in heaven and on earth, Jesus says, has been given to me. Therefore, go. Who has the authority in your life? Who has the authority over the enemy that tries to sneak into your life? Who has authority over the the demonized person? I can't say that word. The demonized person that comes in. Who has authority over him? That guy? That's right. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. In heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. Go why? Look at Mark 16, 15 through 18. Jesus said to them, go into all the world, preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will, will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. John 14, 12 through 14, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to my father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the son may bring glory to the father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. He said all authority in heaven, in heaven. Think about that. All authority in heaven and all authority on the earth has been given to Jesus. And he said, just ask me. All the things I've done, oh, you're going to do them. But you're also going to do even greater things, Jesus said, than I've done. Because now I'm in your corner. And all authority in heaven and all authority on the earth has been given to me. And just ask me. And here I am, he says. Call me, here I am. All authority. Our authority comes in the name of Jesus because he has all authority. He says, go and do. Everything you saw me do, go and do. And you're going to do even greater things. Our rights come from God's promises to us. Our authority comes when we commission with Jesus. And our model of alignment comes from the standard of heaven. And we learned this also on Thursday night. It comes from the 
prayer, Jesus, Jesus' disciples ask him, teach us how to pray. He's like, yay, finally. Teach us how to pray. And we all know the prayer, don't we? Our Father that art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Don't we, you know, grocery lists going off in our mind when we're saying these kind of things. Slow down and think about what you're saying. He says, this is the model right here. Here it is. Here it is. Holy God is your name. Your kingdom come. Let me throw in a word in there. Your will will be done. Your will. Who's God's? Where? His kingdom. His will will be done on earth as it is already being done in heaven. Everything that is being done in heaven, he says, I want you to make it happen on earth. How? He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And I stand perched waiting for you to say, come on, just ask me. Just ask me. Let's do this. He commissioned us as his ambassadors. Do you know what it means to be an ambassador of heaven? Heaven's kingdom. All its resources, all its royalty, all its authority has been dispensed into you. And he says, now go expand my kingdom, proclaiming my kingdom come on earth as it is already happening in heaven. You have it right there. Boom, wherever you go, his kingdoms come. His kingdoms come. He's over here. He's over here. Wherever I go, his kingdom Come. And his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When? Not later. Now. Now. That's the authority. That's the model. Now. That's how we get rid of the strong man. Now. Can the strong man exist in heaven? No. He has no rights. Who has the authority? Jesus said, I have all authority. In heaven and on earth. It's a lie. It's a facade. It's, it's one of those mirages in the desert where he says, you can't make me go. Yeah, I can. I am the house of God. An ambassador of Christ. All authority in heaven. Hello, devil. Is in me. Christ says, boom, it's there. And all you have to do is say, hey, God, right here. Because guess what? God's kingdom comes here. It's here. As I place hands or somebody else that knows the authority and the rights, they're not tied up with the chains of injustice, steps up and says, all authority has been given in heaven and on earth to Jesus. He said, if you ask in my name and I lay hands on you in Jesus' name, boom, that devil can't stay. Those chains can't hold you. As a matter of fact, you're the only one that picks up those chains and starts wrapping yourself up again because you're believing in a lie that's empowering the liar. Who picks up the yoke? Who picks up that, that sin? You do. Who can hold you down? No one. But you give him the power to have the rights and authority in your life. 
You are the one. All kingdom. Oh, I like that definition of burden. Yeah, I like that. The model of alignment comes from the standard of heaven. So what can we do? What's our model? As it is in heaven. If sickness cannot reign in heaven, it cannot reign here. No excuse. No excuse. I don't care if you was born with it. I don't care if it came because of a, a sin that you committed. I don't care if it was a it came on you from a sin that somebody else created and put upon you. I don't care. Sin cannot or sickness cannot exist in heaven. It cannot exist here. Only way it can is when we hold on to it. This must be mine. No. Keep believing. No. Keep believing. No. I mean, last week, I'll tell you, all day long I suffered with a migraine. I knew it was the enemy. And I kept speaking to that demon, that little devil, squeezing my mind. I'm trying to preach through it. I was trying to pray for people. And I heard, little Tori, you can't pray for people. you got a sickness yourself. you got a headache. You can't even get rid of this headache. I said, I will keep preaching and I will keep praying for people in pain if that's what I have to do. Because you're not going to stay here. You are leaving. I don't care if it takes you longer to pack your suitcases or not. You're not staying. You will go. So, I mean, don't you have kids that do that? You ask them to do something, they're like, oh. That's what the enemy sometimes does. Sometimes he just runs. And sometimes he drags his feet and you have to keep reminding them, get out. You are going. You do not belong here. When we know our rights, we stand in our authority. Commissioned with Christ, lining earth up with the model of heaven. Matthew 16, 19. If it's too hot, you guys can turn that fan up. Plug that fan. I thought it was just me, and then I see you guys. Wait. Okay. Yeah, you can turn those fans on yourself. I know. I'm hot. Anyway. Matthew 16, 19, Jesus says, I give you the keys, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. What? He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Ooh, wait. And hey, ching, ching, ching. Here, here's the keys to heaven right there for you. Go ahead. You can take them. He said, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom right now. You want to know what it is? Whatever you bind on earth has already been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth has already been loosed in heaven. How many's heard that scripture before? Let me explain it a little bit better. He said, this is the keys right here. Ching, ching, ching. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it for you. Are you ready? Here it is. Here's the keys. Bind it. If it don't belong in heaven, bind it on earth. Because it can't exist in heaven, so it can't exist here. And whatever you bind, you should loose. Loose something that is in heaven into, into that life. Replace it. So like at the beginning of this message, I was binding injustice. The chains of injustice that keeps you from knowing your rights. I want to loose the spirit of justice, the spirit of truth. The spirit of all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. I'm replacing the lie 
with the truth. Because it's only existing here because what? The liar is a deceiver. If it doesn't exist in heaven, it should not exist here. It cannot exist here. That's the keys, he said. Jingle, jingle, jingle. Here's the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Bill Johnson said it this way, and I am closing, I promise. So prayer team, get your little prayer mind on. Bill Johnson said, we loose on earth that which has been loosed in heaven already. Likewise, we bind or forbid that which has already been bound in heaven. The model is on earth as it is in heaven. We are not telling God what to bind or loose in heaven. Be very careful. We don't tell God what to do. Rather, we are commanding situations on earth to come into divine alignment with the realities that are established by the Father in heaven. Again, we are not commanding God. What's present and absent in heaven is God's command to what should be present and absent on earth. On earth as it is in heaven is God's model and standard. This is the reality we need to be pressing into. And we do this through binding and loosing. And whose authority? Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Ask me. I'm ready. Let's do this. He says. And hey, here's the keys to the kingdom. So again, our rights come from God's promises to us. Our authority comes from our commission with Jesus. And our model of alignment comes from the standard of heaven. So we are ready to bind the strong man. We simply stand in obedience, doing what Jesus has already given us authority to do in his name, aligning earth's realities into heaven's model. And God will do his part. Remember, the Lord says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. And then quickly, let me just give you some input. Rebuilding after the strong man, don't get stupid into thinking that just because you kicked out the strong man that you don't have to do anything else. Look it up later, but there's a scripture in Matthew 12, 43 through 45, that goes through the story of what happens when a strong man is removed. When he's removed, the house is swept clean. He goes running around out there in the desert trying to find a place to rest again because he had it pretty nice in your house. And then he says, you know what? I'm tired out here. I'm going back to that house. And he'll peer in the windows. What's going on in there since I left? Oh, hey, this window's been left open a little bit. I'll just look around in here. Yeah, yeah, it's still clean. Yeah, yeah, still clean. Uh, I'm kind of scared of that, that stronger man that came and kicked me out in the first place. So I'm going to go get some buddies of mine. And it says that he'll gather up seven more stronger than he was. And he'll come back to that house that's unoccupied. Remember, oh yeah, that window's open. 
and he'll go back into that place and the condition of that man will be worse than the former. Why? Because you got rid of the strong man, but you didn't refill that house with the stronger man. It says we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The power of God needs to be in us. Why? Because he's better than ADT. And he won't just be a little sticker on the window, but he will bar and lock every window and every door and stand guard outside of it and saying, this is a bloodline here that you cannot cross, devil. Because I occupy this house now. You make sure that when you've bound that strong man and you've cleaned your house, that you occupy it with the Holy Spirit. Fill, fill your, your whole life with the word of God. Constantly. You need to, every day when you wake up, what's most important? Sleeping an extra 10 minutes or getting some word in you? Get the word in you. Do you want to be labeled as his former, his, now his condition is worse than his former condition? No. No. Fill yourself up with the word. Fill yourself up with the Holy Spirit. Don't leave today until you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, at the end of that scripture, Jesus says, He called them a wicked generation. He said, That's, This is how it will be with this wicked generation. I looked that up because I thought, What a strange place to say that right there. And I looked up, and when you read the Bible in context, and when you research in context, which means it lays out all the other spoken words, and how it all comes together, when he talks about a wicked generation, it's defined as a people who will not cry out to God for help. So uh, a wicked generation is like, this world's getting so wicked. No, it could be us. That, well, we're too proud. We'll do this on our, on our own. Because I'm sure that thought has already went through your mind. Don't get up. You're not going up to the altar later. You can take care of this on your own. That's a lie of the enemy. Why did Jesus have to die? See, again, if you speak out those thoughts, speak them out so you can hear them. And it's okay. Just pretend like you have one of those Bluetooth things in, in your ear. So people let people walk around now talking to themselves out loud all the time, and they don't think you're crazy anymore. So go ahead and do that. Speak it out. Really? Can I do this on my own? If I can do this on my own, why did Jesus have to die? If I can do this on my, my own, how did the strong man come in in the first place? So keep fueling your faith with the word of God. Start walking in obedience now. If we walk in the light, as Jesus in the light, if we have fellowship with him, he says the blood of Jesus will cleanse us from, oh, some of your sins. No, from all your sins. So will you make mistakes? Yes. But if you're walking with God, fellowship with God, you can cry out to him what was one of the 17, and he will answer. If you cry out to him, he will answer. Here I am. But start walking in obedience now. And you say, well, no, first I have to wait till I get this part of my life right, and then I'll start walking in obedience. That's like saying that um, you can't go to the gym until you get into shape. <laughs> Fat.
fat girls like me need to go to the gym why we're fat. We don't like it. But we need to start walking in obedience now. Don't wait until your life is perfect before you start walking in obedience. Because once your life is perfect, you better be in heaven or it's a lie. So start walking in obedience now. And Amy, if you can come back up. There's two scriptures I want to close with, and it's very important. In Romans chapter 6, it paints the picture for us. Jesus, God paints the picture for us here. I know Paul wrote Romans. Of our life before Christ and our life after Christ. See, once we say, God, it's all yours. Here it is. Boy, sometimes it's messed up beyond repair, we think. But when we bring our whole life to God and says, and say, here it is. In Romans 6, starting at verse 8, it says, Now if we died with Christ, which means it's all yours, God, it's yours. We believe that we will also live with Christ. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives... He lives to God. So if we die with Christ, we die to sin. And he goes on to say, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of your body to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master because you are not under law but under grace. Sin no longer can be your master. You don't have to keep dragging around that sin. You don't have to be yoked any longer to that sin. If you give your life over to God and say, here it is, and I don't care if you've been a Christian for 25 years or you've just walked into church and don't even know how you got into this message. Jesus says, just offer it all to me. Because I've got a whole bunch more for you. He created a plan for you before you were even born. That would blow your mind. If he opened it up and showed you all the things that he has prepared for you. But he says when you surrender your life to me. Ask me. And the spirit will take those deep thoughts of God. And start revealing them to you. Because you know God thinks this about you. Do you know you're going to do this? Do you know how much God loves you? You do not have to be mastered to slave any longer. It's time to remove the strong man. And again, remember, strong man in your life can be anger, unforgiveness, suicide, jealousy, poverty, scarcity mindset, insecurity, fear, loneliness, pornography, a specific habit. I don't care. And don't say, she didn't mention mine. God's already put a flashlight on you. That's between you and God, okay? Between you and God. But don't believe 
the lie that you can do it yourself. Don't believe the lie that it's just who you are. Don't believe the lie that God can't deliver you from this. That God can't forgive you from that. Don't believe the lie that it's too late. And don't believe the lie that this is just your burden to bear. Well, you brought this on yourself. That's a lie from the enemy. Whatever is present in heaven is waiting to be present on earth. And here's the keys to unlocking it. So I want to do this, and they put the slides together. I want us to look at Isaiah 61 as we close. I want to declare that this will be the year of the Lord's favor. And I want to challenge you when you go to open up the word later today or tomorrow morning when you do devotion, slow down and soak in every word. Let's read this together. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. Does that sound familiar? Where did that come from? That's one of the wills. That's one of the promises. And restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Aliens will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations. And in their riches you will boast. Instead of their shame, my people will receive a double portion. And instead they will rejoice in their inheritance. And so they will inherit double portion in their land. And everlasting joy will be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery. He hates the strong man in your life. He hates robbery. Robbery. He hates iniquity. And in my faithfulness, I will reward them and make an everlasting covenant with them. That was the end of verse 8, right? Oh, today begins the year of God's favor in your life. He hates that strong man that's in your life. And he says, it's time today to get him out. So stand up with me. Prayer team, come up to the front. If you can, please, I'm asking everybody to hold steady. Hold steady. This is it. This is the fast I have chosen, says God, to loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set free the oppressed, 
and break every yoke. Father, right now, we just lift our eyes to you. God, we know that you 